Hello, bonjour and salam alaikum. Welcome to Stand Out from the Crowd, the first live podcast about no BS leadership. So if you like us, tell your friends and colleagues to go over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and to give us a five-star review because listen, <laughs> the stories we share on this podcast are worth it. We are worth it. Don't you think so? I hope you do. You may have been all over the place, trying this, trying that, going in this industry and then trying another industry and feeling like, damn, what am I doing with my life? But actually, did you know that a non-linear career path might be the new normal? And even though it can be the future of success, it used to be that people would map out their careers in a very linear fashion work hard, then become a team leader, then become a manager, then become this and that, you get it. But things don't always turn out as planned. Our standout guest, Mariam Aziz, is a remarkable woman who has charted a non-linear path to become a chief operating officer and an independent consultant specialized in finance, compliance, risk management, and governance. Additionally, she serves as the COO of the Board Diversity Network, an organization committed to enhancing diversity in Canadian public, private, and non-for-profit boards. Join us as we explore the twists and turns in Miriam's career and the valuable lessons she learns along the way and what she's up to. Please help me welcome Mariam. Hello, Mariam. Hi, Darren. Hello, everyone. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, Darren. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I mean, I started my day off going to the gym, getting a workout in, so hydrated, you know, in excellent shape, so I'm ready to kick off this interview. Oh, I love that. You are in the mood and we are in the mood with you. So, Mariam, a question I like to ask my guests is, if I were to ask your loved ones three words to describe yourself, what would that be? Wow, that's, uh, that's profound. So the first thing that comes to mind is kind. I value my kindness a lot. Um, The second one that would come to mind would be driven. I'm very driven. I am, you know, I'm always in any stage of my life. I, I love learning. So I love being challenged and I love taking it to the next level. You know, I, I learn, I, I get in, I learn. And aligns with my consulting world as well. Go in, learn the business, learn everything. And then when I'm done, like, what's next? So I would say driven. And then I would say, um, God, this is a tough one. <laughs> um, compassionate. Yeah. I lead with compassion. Uh, and that comes across in the way that I deal with those, my friends, my family, my, um, my clients. I believe in leading with compassion. I believe in delivering with compassion. I believe in speaking with compassion. So I think those would be the three words that I would use. At least kindness. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> so kindness, driven, and compassionate. You said kindness first, and you said it is the most important for me. Yes. And we hear it a lot, right? Sometimes I feel like it's a buzzword, like, hey, kindness is the new success. Uh, the best strategy for success is kindness. 
But why is kindness so important to you? I genuinely believe that as a society, as a people, as a community, it can't just be all about us. We need to exercise kindness. We need to bring each other up together. And I've benefited from kindness. I've benefited from kindness as it relates to my friends and really those moments. You know, I live, I moved from Montreal to Toronto. I live alone and things can get tough. And just yesterday, actually, I'll share a funny story. I ordered a new piece of furniture and I was worrying about how do I bring it up into my house? It's so heavy. And I sat there trying to solution it. And at one point I said, Miriam, call a friend. You have incredible friends, a support system, a community around you that you have built with kindness. Call them up. And I did. And I picked up the phone and she said, yes, I'll be there in five minutes. And that's not just in terms of my personal relationships. That's also in terms with my professional relationships as well. I firmly believe in dealing with people with kindness. Just the other day, I was at the Bell store and I met a talented young individual. And I went in and I was so frustrated being with Bell and my service. And this person handled me with such care and kindness. And I saw something in him and I said, you know what? And he's, he's about to graduate. And he said, oh, the job market is stuff. And I said, add me on LinkedIn. I know five people I can connect you to. Wow. And so I did. I connected him to five people. Who knows where that will take him? Maybe that will transpire into a job opportunity. But I truly believe that that's the way that not only you will be uplifted, but mm -hmm. those around you will be uplifted. That's very true. There is something fulfilling about kindness, right? Uh, in the first place. And then being kind to people can open doors and lead to, to beautiful things, being professional or personal that you could never imagine. And and we are going through rough time, right? It has been a couple of rough years. And so just, you know, saying a nice word to people, being kind to people, smiling at people, uh, that can make a big difference in someone's lives when it took you only maybe one second or, or a couple of minutes of your time, right? So indeed, this is very powerful. When looking at your career path, you have decided, you have made the choice to take a non-linear path from auditing to consulting. I know you were planning to become a lawyer at some point <laughs> uh, to your current role right now as, the, as a COO, an independent consultant. Mm -hmm. So can you walk us through the key moments and decisions that led you to where you are today? Wow. Yes. So even before lawyer, I was I was actually my undergraduate degrees in political science. So initially, oh. <laughs> initially it was politics and then it was law and then, you know, accounting. And, and I would say one of the pivotal moments in my career is my switch to accounting. Um, and beyond accounting, I like to see it as my switch to business. And so the backstory to that is I'm a first generation immigrant. My father is an accountant and he moved here in 1996. And when he moved here, and when I say here, Quebec, so there's a language barrier that he had to deal with too. And when he moved here, he decided I am going to start my own company. So entrepreneurship, I've seen it from a very young age. And he, he bet on himself. That is what I've seen growing up. And so he built a taxation practice, you know, your mom and pop shop around the corner. And I never took an interest. I never stepped in. I stepped in once, just once to give him a parking ticket I got. <laughs> so I said, here you go. You know, here's a parking ticket. 
But what happened was I, I finished my undergrad degree and basically I my father got sick and he got sick and he was hospitalized. And as the eldest daughter in an immigrant family, you know, and also I had taken a year off to figure things out career wise. Well, you have time. So what do you do? I had to step in and take care of his business, a business that I do. I knew nothing about. I was 22 at that age and it was my first job, I would like to call it. And I stepped in. I knew nothing about taxation. Believe it or not, Darren, people would come and say, I got a letter from Revenue Quebec. And I said, what's Revenue Quebec? <laughs> so, oh, my God. <laughs> so, you know, that's how out of it as well. But having come from that, I had the opportunity to deal with a lot of small businesses. And what I realized was I wanted to be in the business world. I wanted to help businesses. I wanted to, because I thought that, you know, I believed change can come through by elevating and empowering immigrants with their businesses. And for that, I stepped back and I said, okay, what are the steps to get me there? And mm -hmm. I always, you know, it's, it's hard because you can have this idea and this vision and then you have to step back and it could seem very big. And I said, well, what do I do to get there? I said, okay, well, accounting, because the way accounting works, I can understand any business. I could be relevant to any enterprise. So I went back to school. I studied part-time, did accounting, and then I, I finished accounting and I said, okay, well, what do I want to do next? And I said, okay, well, audit, because I want to understand how everything works from start to end. And so that was a, that, that, you know, his surgery was a pivotal moment. The second pivotal moment was when I started going through the recruitment process. I wasn't planning on coming to Toronto, but when I went through my firm recruitment process, believe it or not, during the first time, a lot of people meet me and they say, Miriam, you got the interview, you're going to be fine. And so it came as a shock to me when I got the interview and I went in and both the firms I interviewed with said, I don't think you're a good fit. Oh. And so I stepped away and I said, what do, what do you mean? I'm not a good fit. And I stepped away with that and I sat with that. And then I reapplied to my firm next year because one of the key tenants that my parents have instilled in me is don't give up. Don't give mm -hmm. up on your dream. Try again. There's always an alternate path because that is what they've shown me. So I applied again. And this time around, I, you know, they, I applied to Montreal and they said, we think you would be better in Toronto. Thank God they did because I love it. That's how I started in Toronto. And from there, I started this interview saying, I'm, you know, I'm driven. I want to learn. And so in any position that I'm in, in any role that I join, in any enterprise and organization that I join, when I joined, I, I had this love for learning and I got to a saturation point. When I got to a saturation point, I had to step away and say, well, what do I want to do next? And somehow the answer was consulting. And the way that that came to me was through conversations. I reached out to my network and I go back again to kindness. I reached out to the people around me. I reached out to my friends and I started making a list. I said, what do I like? What do I not like about my job? What do I really want to build on? And as I was having conversations, people said, have you thought about consulting, Miriam? We think you, with that might, you know, it aligns with who you are as a person. You love, even with your friends, talking, sharing, giving advice. So, and the way that I got into consulting, again, was through my network. It was through a relationship that I had built. And my friend said, hey, there's an opening on the team. Why don't you join? I joined. And that was that. I pivoted into consulting. Um, 
The other pivotal moment was the decision that I decided to go independent. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to lie, Duran, it's a it was a scary decision, one that I think about every single day. Every single day I say, I have to think, am I on the right path? Or rather, well, and then I go, well, what is the right path? What what <laughs> That's the question, right? <laughs> what is the right path? Are you learning? Yes. Are you enjoying your time? Yes. Are you secure financially? Yes. All right. That's it. I and it's hard because when you're independent, there's no one, you know, there's no one telling you if you do X number of years, you get this title. Mm-hmm. And then if you do this, you get that. You're really charting your own path. And sometimes there's a lack of soundboards. For me, what I have started doing to mitigate that is surrounding myself with mentors that are enabling me. So when I speak with them and friends, so when I speak with them with some of the doubts I have, because I I do, they're there to say, well, have you thought about it this way? Have you considered this? Have you, and, and really, they also take a moment to say, have you acknowledged your successes? Yeah. I go, I go what successes? What? I have so much left to do. I'm, <laughs> what's the next 10 years going to look like? What? And then they, they ground me. So my support system, my community, my mentors, my friend, they ground me. They push me, but they also ground me. So I don't know if that answered your question. I think I went off on a tangent. <laughs> no, I, I would say, yeah, those are the pivotal moments. I think you have brought a, a lot of uh, good elements to the conversation, and I, and I strongly believe that your path is very much similar to most of us than the people who, who have a very linear career path. They know what they want to do since a very young age. Or, I mean, do you know any people who work now in a field that they went to university for? I don't. I do a couple of people. I and I I I go back to everyone's journey is different. Mm-hmm. And so that's helped me because even when I joined PwC, which was my first firm, and I had the opportunity, I was one of the, the people who were my age were at the manager level. Because the way that, that the accounting world works, you start at a very young age as a co-op from university. I had to go back to school. I decided to get a second undergraduate degree. And so I was around the room with young, incredibly talented, but younger individuals. And I would look at people and I said, well, at this age in my career, you know, that's, that's, where, that's where I should be. Mm-hmm. And then I had to remind myself, constantly and say everyone has their own journey I cannot compare my journey to someone else's and truly I can't compare because really where my career took me my experience took me the second thing is experience a lot of people myself included are scared to make switches because it's starting back down that ladder again you know in audit I was ready to get that manager promotion. I had the clients that I worked on, I had the teams that I worked on. When I switched into consultant, I was new. Again, now at the senior associate level, I have to relearn everything. But you're never starting at zero, or at least I had to remind myself, I'm never starting at zero. All the experience that I have, all the soft skills that I have, 
are there in my repertoire. And that's what set me apart when I started because the reality of the situation was I did have work experience. I could deal with clients in a more effective and efficient way because I had that experience. I could rely on it. I could fall back on it. I was comfortable with interacting with a lot of different people working in tough situations because I had done it. Mm. And that had, and so now I look at myself and you know, my friends who were my ma- my friends who were my managers when I were a new associate, we're, we're kind of, I, you know, I can't, we're not, I, I, there's no leveling because now I'm at a place where when I, I speak to them, I feel like an equal because mm-hmm. I decided to chart my own path. I took a risk. I decided, hey, I will go independent. I've seen entrepreneurship. It's worked and I want to try it. And when I was making that decision, I sat back, I was scared. And I sat back and I said, my father said to me, what does failure look like for you? Oh. And I had, I sat back and I said, what does failure mean? Failure means tangibly, I can't pay rent. Okay. Let's, let's unpack that a little bit. What does all, what does, does that mean that you'll have a hard time going back into uh, finding a job either at the firm that you left or at another firm or into industry? And immediately I said, no, I said no, because I have proven myself with the work and I, I, I'm diligent, I'm hardworking, I'm driven. And so I have no doubt that if I want a job tomorrow in a month, three months from now, and I want to go back in to industry or into the firm, I will have it. I said, okay, then that means, you know, you're fine. You can always pay rent. I said, well, what, what else does failure mean to you? And I couldn't find an answer because in no scenario would I fail if I took a chance on myself, if I bet on myself, because I would still be learning and growing that experience. Even today, if I decide to go back into the corporate, I'm in the corporate world, but if I decide to go back into a particular organization or into a particular firm, I will create value because of my unique experience and the confidence that I bring because I bet on myself and I will continue to bet on myself every single day. That's, that's powerful, Mariam, because, you know, a lot of people don't try because of their fear of failure. But then what does failure mean and what does it look like? And I'm sure if we out of 10 people, if we ask the question right away, the big majority won't be able to answer. Right. We fear something that. We don't know what this thing is from a practical perspective, right? And in, in, your, in your journey, I see the importance of people, the importance of the people you surround yourself with. And it may sound cliche, but the people you surround yourself with can make you or break you. And this is very true. And the more I interview uh, women leaders on this podcast, the more I realize it, even though if I was aware of it. Mm. Because, you know, as you said, you are surrounded and you ask your people to push you, to challenge you, to ground you when you need it. And your trajectory could have been so much different, right? If you did not surround yourself with the right people in the first place. So 
and we talk a lot about this on, on this podcast, but from your perspective, what do you look for in people in order to know, hey, you know, this is a person that I want to be close to? Hmm. That's a very good question. Uh, and it's difficult. <laughs> it's a difficult one because I love meeting new people and I love making new friends. <laughs> Put me in a room full of strangers and I'm in, I'm in my happy place. I'm like, wow. <laughs> yes, I, because I love hearing about people's journey. I, I, I love hearing about people's journey. I, and it's authenticity. And I guess that's where I'll start with authenticity. The first thing I look for and, and not look for, but feel, truly feel, trust your gut instinct. When I meet new people is, are they authentic? Are they genuine? Do they treat others with kindness? Are they compassionate? And that is what everything else comes secondary. You know, what is there? I don't look at titles and positions and I don't look at what they've accomplished. That's not, I do not care for that. None of that matters to me. And at a very young age, I went to Pakistan. And when I went to Pakistan, I have family that is from you know, various different economic backgrounds. And so there are ones that live in the villages. And my mother said to me, and I was going alone, I was 18, I, had, uh, I hadn't been in a couple of years. And she said, Miriam, no one's going to remember you for the clothes you wore or the fact that how good you speak or how well you speak English or how educated you are or how successful you are or how rich you are. No one's going to remember you for any of that. The only thing they will remember you with is how do you treat them? How do you interact with them? They will remember you for the kindness you show them. And so she said, even if you go to the village and someone puts whatever they put in front of you, you're going to eat it. If they give you water, you're going to drink it. I don't care if you're going to be sick for a week. <laughs> I don't, she says, you will do it. And I, and I, I think that's the lesson I carried onwards and upwards into my life till this very day. When I meet you, all I care about is, are you authentic? Are you, and I love, and I'm always meet, open to meeting new people. And maybe I've been lucky, but I've met some amazing friends, some amazing people in my career that have been willing to invest time and energy into me. And I go, that's, and, and I, because they are authentic, because they're genuinely people who lead with kindness. They are like-minded people. So like attracts like. Mm -hmm. practice what you preach and that's that's really it just go with your gut I, I don't have a criteria <laughs> you, you know, I'm the total opposite actually because I can say you are an extrovert so you like be, being surrounded by people <laughs> talking to people I'm the total opposite like the less mm. I talk to people, the better I feel. But because it drains me, talking and meeting new people like this um, drains me. But when I decide to, 
you know, open up and to engage in a conversation with someone I'm 100% in. And same, I love discovering people's journey. That's why I love this podcast so much because, <laughs> you know, this is kind of my way too to, to getting to meet new people, women leaders, to learn from their journey and, you know, to have those conversations with like-minded people and like-minded women. And you, you said it, you know, and your vibes attract your tribe. And so since kindness is, is a key element of your personality as a professional and personal, then of course you will attract kind people who are attracted to kindness. You see what I mean? I yes. mean, it sounds, does it sound weird? But it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I, I, I believe it and it's been working. So something, something must be true in this. <laughs> And so as the COO of uh, the Board Diversity Network, so you support the mission, the, the missions organization. My French is kicking in. <laughs> you support the... <laughs> oh, no, my organization. <laughs> uh, so you support uh, the organization's mission to increase diversity on Canadian board. What inspired you to take on that important role? I, so my mentor, my friend, my business partner, Lori Anbosoleh, who co-founded uh, board, the Board Diversity Network, came to me and said, you know, shared her vision about the Board Diversity Network with me. And she said, yeah, it came from a place of inspiring change. Because when I, when we had this discussion, when she spoke about the challenges that diverse candidates, executives face, in regards to not ha having the network to tap in to secure that board position, not knowing how to navigate their board journey. And she came to me and said, you know, there is an opportunity and space for change. And that was inspirational to me. The second piece of it was you could make an impact in the boardroom. And that's not just for publicly listed companies. It's across the board. Across the board, I like that pun. Whether it's not-for-profit, whether it's in government organization, or whether it is within the private sector or for publicly listed corporate entities, when you are on the board, you have a say in regards to the company's diversity policies. You have a say as it relates to the company's strategies. As a matter of fact, as a board member, it's your fiduciary responsibility. Mm -hmm. And it inspired me because it was an opportunity to make and effectively have an impact. And I, I'm going to go back to, I'll tie this back to when I was in political science. So I joined political science and I, I uh, decided to pursue it because I wanted to make, you know, 20, 20 years old, I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to... I wanted to change the way the world worked. Yeah, you know, I thought I could. I, I, you know, I have the power to do that. And I, I stepped in and I did it all. I volunteered with the with a party involved in the campaign. I volunteered with multiple organizations, and I stepped away from that. And I realized this is fantastic. However, it's also draining for me. It didn't align with my vision, and I, I, I was lost for a little bit. And when I got into, when I worked with my father and took over his business briefly, I came to appreciate that change can be brought through business as well. Organizations impact the societies and the communities that we live in. They shape societies and the communities we live in. 
And so it was very logical for me to say, I, you know, this is where I could have tangible impact, tangible change. That's the other thing. I, I like something concrete. Mm -hmm. So political science was too wishy-washy for me. I was like, okay, I have to really work hard to get the policy drafted. And then what happens with the policy? And and when when I stepped away for business, I could say, oh, okay, if you do X, Y, and Z, this would be the outcome. Mm -hmm. And tying that in, and that's been a constant theme in my career, which is change, when Lori came to me with the vision of Board Diversity Network, it was not even a question. Immediately, I said, yes, I want to be part of this organization. I want to drive this change. And I want to meet new people. <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, we have a question uh, from the audience. Uh, what are the most rewarding aspects of your work as an independent consultant? And how do they differ from your previous roles in larger corporations? Yes, this is interesting because as it relates to a larger corporation, interestingly enough, the nature of the clients that I've been working with are actually clients that I would be working with had I still remained at my firm. So I have been fortunate enough. And again, this is through my network. It's through the network that I've built and the professional relationships that I've built, that I've had the opportunity to work with large public listed enterprises. What's inter- What has been more rewarding is that whereas at my firm, there were multiple layers to you know, the executives as to having the conversations while I would work on the work, I would deliver the work. I did not get to present my work. Whereas now as an independent consultant, while it's also daunting because it's now, you know, this is my work and this is, I am presenting it and I do work with fantastic business partners. And so there is the most rewarding aspect of it has been the ability to build those interpersonal connections with my clients, which at a firm, I would have gotten there, but it would have taken a, a little bit longer. And perhaps even that confidence building aspect of it. I had no choice. You know, <laughs> I had no, I had to build the confidence because I wow. had to speak with confidence. If I don't speak with confidence, again, if I don't bet on myself and I'm presenting findings, then why would someone trust me? Mm-hmm. Why would they take my advice? And so it's been, I think, the the most rewarding piece of this this journey has been the confidence that I have built that I'm building. It's been the interpersonal relationships as it relates to my and my professional life with my clients that I would have perhaps built later on. It's also been just knowing that I can figure it out. I think that's the biggest, biggest lesson. That's it's been the most rewarding lesson. I'm not, I'm not afraid. I can, I can figure it out. Whatever happens, I can figure it out. It's going to work out. Because I did it for two years, you know, a client would a client project would end, and I would sit there and I would go, "What next? Okay, what next?" Yeah, as an independent consultant, it's always what's next, not what you're doing. So mm-hmm, you true. can't really be. And I have to step back and I have to trust the process. More importantly, trust myself and the quality of the work that I do, and know that if I deliver and I deliver what and confidently and I add value and I create value and I build interpersonal relationships, clients come back and they have. 
since mm-hmm. all my lives that I have and draw and effectively engagements that I've delivered to and I've, I've, I have dealt with have all come back and said, okay, Miriam, now we want you back in the room. We want you back in the boardroom. And so that's been incredibly rewarding. And, and, you know, as an independent consultant myself as well, I think that when you are on your own, you have no plan B but to trust in yourself <laughs> and to trust in your ability to figure things out, right? Yeah. Because there is no, if you don't do the job, no one else is going to do it. Your <laughs> uh, no colleagues to do it on your behalf or, you know, to help you out somehow in the corner. No, like when you are an independent consultant, you are on your own. And even though I do believe it's one of the, actually for me, one of the most challenging things I have ever done. This is one of the most precious uh, experience I have ever had because I have discovered myself, because I have learned to trust myself and I have learned that, yes, I can do it and I can do better. It's about, you know, being better and as you said, thinking about your next move, it's a little bit like a chess game, right? You you gotta improve your strategy, you gotta plan ahead, you gotta have this vision, and and this is powerful. This is this is empowering. This is the right yes. word. This is empowering. Yes, you you nailed it. It's empowering. And don't get me wrong. Do I have doubts every single day? <laughs> you know, little little panic attacks weekly on the on the floor. So it, it, that isn't to shy away from. But the way I see it is that when you're questioning your path, that means you're growing. Because yeah. if you're content, you mm. will always be. That's that's you know you will always be static. True. But and and. Uh, and I say this to a lot of my friends because a couple of my friends that I speak with will say, you know, I'm not unha- I'm ha- unhappy with my career and I'm unhappy where I am. And I said, oh, that's fantastic. You've outgrown your role. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, and they go, well, what's next? And I said, oh, no, that, that's going to come to you. The moment that you've started asking the question, the moment that you've voiced that this is no longer working for you. Mm-hmm. So discomfort while <laughs> while maybe you know I, I have tools to manage it, but being uncomfortable, questioning yourself, not you know having some doubts, not doubting yourself, but questioning yourself, mm-hmm. having certain doubts, it's not that speaks to growth to me. That means your the wheels are turning. You know, mm-hmm. start asking what matters. Yeah, and that's what matters. You know, progress. Yes. Progress is really what matters here. My last question to you, uh, Mariam, and many of our listeners are aspiring leaders. Uh, What advice do you have for those who are exploring non-traditional career path and seeking to make a meaningful impact in their chosen field? I'm going to say this, bet on yourself. Trust yourself. Ask yourself, what does failure mean to you? If there are tangible constraints that you have, whether it's financial, whether it is educational, chart that out, map that out, and you'll realize, and then work on solutioning it. Okay, well, I'm worried about 
this financial constraint. Okay, what do I need to be comfortable for a three month or six month period? That's what I did. I said three or six months, it's good. If it doesn't work out in three months, I have another three months to pivot and start looking at something else. There is no, and you will realize very quickly that there is no room for failure when you bet on yourself. There's no such thing because you will always be learning. You're growing. It's called growing pains for a reason. You don't realize what it's happening. And yeah. a lot of times we're always looking up the ladder. We don't stop to look, I myself included, don't stop to look at and acknowledge how far up we've come. Mm -hmm. That's where the other piece that I'll say is surround yourself with mentors, with a community of friends, family that believe in you. It doesn't have to be in the traditional form of, of a friend or family. It, it can come from a variety of different, a variety of different streams, right? People say, well, a mentor. A mentor can be someone who's your own age. It doesn't have to be someone who's retired. It could be someone who's younger, someone who inspires you. So think outside the box. Ask yourself, and I go, bet on yourself. Ask yourself what failure is and surround yourself with people who will uplift you, ground you, and be your champions. Wow. I hope you are taking notes, people. Mariam, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. <laughs> I know your story and, and you know all the tips you shared will uh, inspire uh, many. So thank you for that. And so for those of you watching and listening us, I will see you next week for another live episode of Stand Out from the Crowd. Thank you, everyone. You take care and you stay safe. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.